The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Denny Carter. It is now, uh, what is it, Denny? I think we just finished week three. We're going into week four. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, we'd like to have those sorted out by week three, but uh, yeah. let's, let's just say the the lawn aerator hit my uh, internet line. Yeah, That's you as as you said, you are world records levels of down bad, and I actually believe that. Yeah, I, I am. I am sweating profusely. I am extremely, <laughs> extremely rattled. And I gotta say, not as rattled as I was earlier when you and I were on the phone and you suggested a certain uh, fantasy superstar <laughs> may be droppable now. And I was just wondering if you wanted to mention that to the people. And, yeah, in my ranting and raving about, uh, you know, variance, we're gonna call it variance. A lot of people in my mentions are calling it luck, um, which of course is not. <laughs> I haven't heard that word in a while. Uh, probably and, uh, makes a lot more sense than our fancy word uh, variance. Yeah, no, but variance sounds better. It makes us sound smarter. It sounds it makes it sound like you're you're pushing the glasses up the bridge of your nose when you say it. But uh, is uh, Justin Jefferson? You know, so for one half of football, uh, you thought that okay, well, I just I I got him. I got Justin Jefferson in the draft, so I win the league. So because no one can compete with me if my guy's scoring forty fantasy points every single week and he has 285 yards in the first half of the first game yeah. to justin jefferson right you know? but and then after that uh nothing uh literally nothing uh to today tuesday uh kevin o'connell the head coach of the vikings said that justin jefferson only had eight or nine snaps against the lions in week three without quote some variation of a double team meaning that teams are saw what saw what they did to the Packers and said, no, we will not be doing that. Um, it has, you know, cascading effects across the whole Vikings offense, but man, does it, is it frustrating for a Jefferson drafter to look at those two box scores, miserable, miserable box scores after such a great week one. It's also frustrating because we have the Sean McVay acolyte in Minnesota and you would think he had heard of the concept of a double team. For Justin Jefferson before. This is the thing. You know, it's it's like the too high safety thing where, uh, okay, a double team. So Justin Jefferson's the first receiver to ever see a double team in the NFL. <laughs> that that's that's how I'm I that's what I am to believe from what Kevin kind of just like just like last year, it was like so the Chiefs are the first team to ever 
face a a, a, a too high safety look. This must be the case. No, it's not the case. These these things cannot be like team destroyers. No, they, no. There, there has to be a way to overcome this. <laughs> I would think that Justin Jefferson's raw talent would be enough to overcome a double team, but I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. Well, you would think if Mike Zimmer knew how to overcome a double team that Kevin O'Connell would know how to overcome a double team because Mike Zimmer didn't seem to have a bunch of issues with it last year. So just something to follow. So, yeah, what, so Justin Jefferson's being dropped across the board, Denny, um, because of your every, advice. Every format. Would you tell people to add him then if Justin Jefferson was dropped in your league? No, you add KJ Osborne. <laughs> no, we are really hoping Justin Jefferson will bounce back this week, just like Jamar Chase will bounce back. It was like man, you were talking about. It was maybe the worst receiver week I've ever, 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 ever seen. There were not receiver uh, fantasy points. I mean, come on, man! Like I know, literally, like, Matt Collins, the only one. Yeah, uh, him and Greg Dortch—they're the only two good receivers in the, in the NFL. <laughs> the only two good ones left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was trying to make like my fantasy All Pro team for this week. It was seriously like looking at names like just no. No one who even touched like a first or second round yeah. ADP was uh, producing this week. And this down is up. Up is down. Yeah, the top receivers this week were Devontae Smith, Matt Collins, Marquise Brown, Russell Gage, oh, Zay God. Jones, Chris Olave, Amari Cooper, Romeo Dobbs, who we're going to talk about in a minute, Isaiah McKenzie. Just an absolutely crazy, crazy week. And we're going to get to a few of those players in a moment. But, Denny, I wanted to talk about Trevor Lawrence. And yeah. you wanted to talk about the Jaguars' offensive approach. Trevor Lawrence led my column on Monday just as, you know, he's kind of – I try to be tempered, like, in my praise. Where he, it's not like he's making a leap to superstardom right this right. second. It's not like he's becoming an every week QB1. But I think they have proven that it was really just this environment that needed to rebuilt, be rebuilt, not necessarily his game. He's taking baby steps to kind of being the player we thought he was going to be. You know, right now it's kind of a meat and potatoes offense. It's very balanced. They're sixth in rush attempts. They're just trying. It's a very narrow target tree, which I think you're going to talk about. And yeah, just talk about maybe what Trevor Lawrence is doing well, what what Doug Peterson is doing with the offense, and maybe what it means for all fantasy football. Yeah. So you know, last year it was really hard. You couldn't even squint and see uh, how Trevor Lawrence was going to make it basically no. in the NFL because every metric was awful, was as bad as you could imagine. It was the same way for, for, for Zach uh, Wilson, whose name is temporarily escaped me, but this year, so through three weeks, uh, Trevor Lawrence has the second highest completion rate over expected uh, trailing only Geno Smith, uh, strangely enough. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has the highest, let's see, Trevor Lawrence had the highest success rate of any quarterback in week three, against the chargers it, it's it seems to be coming together in a way that i think is sustainable for this jags offense and and here's the thing unlike urban meyer who uh just insisted on establishing the run on the early downs especially on first and 10 the jags are actually and they got they got away from this a little bit in week three i have to say but they are making a concerted effort to pass more on first down which gives you're, you put your quarterback in a more favorable situation, right? Where the defense doesn't know that you're going to pass. This is the thing that, you know, teams put, put quarterbacks in terrible spots, especially young quarterbacks. They're not doing that. Doug Peterson's not doing that with Trevor Lawrence and we thank him. Yeah. It's been run focused, but not, but it's also been EPA focused. Like you said, where they're not just running more for the sake of it. They're trying 
to just yes. run smart. And so they kind of got away with that, away from that on Sunday in week three, because they don't seem like they're a confident enough team yet to just like be pedaled to the metal. And like right. they got a lead on the, the Chargers. They definitely kind of went to like salt the game away mode. Like they we're did. not going to blow this game mode. And they didn't. They, and they, and hey, you know what? That works. It, they they were in a a spot where I think they just wanted to get out of there with the win. You can't blame them too much. But uh, talking about the target tree now, you have three guys running all the routes. Okay, so this is good for fantasy. This is uh, at least at least somewhat predictable. I want to say highly predictable, but that's a little much. Somewhat predictable for fantasy because you have Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Marvin Jones running every single route. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so we know where the ball is going. It's primarily going to Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, honestly. And Zay Jones had a great game uh, against the Chargers. I think 10 catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I looked at the box score this morning and I said, what, what is that? And, uh, don't want to talk about it. Basically, you will be featured in the waiver wire article on NBC sports edge tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Uh, look. Uh, the coaches love him. Okay, uh, if, if there was a, if there was a metric for coach love, <laughs> Zay Jones would be off the chart. Yeah, he knocks it out of the park. Uh, so, so the, this offense uh, is fun for fantasy. It's good for fantasy because we know where the ball is going, and Trevor Lawrence is delivering it in, in an efficient way. And just the next two steps for Trevor Lawrence, maybe run a little bit more. Not that I think it was always kind of oversold. Like he, no one, not that anyone really tried to sell him as a dual threat. We're like, oh, here's a guy who'll run, you know, and that was always a bit unrealistic, but yeah. only eight carries for 22 yards. He can definitely do better than that through three games. And so far, he only has four completions of 20 plus yards. They're not really cutting it loose down the field. I think they've only attempted 12 or 13, but those are like the two next areas for improvement. He's already got his, just in terms of like traditional efficiency, his completion percentage is up from 59.6% as a rookie to 69.3%. Like Urban Meyer just should be ashamed of himself and don't really know how he right. sleeps at night. Well, yeah, uh, it would have been, it, yeah. I mean, it would have been helpful for Urban Meyer to learn the names of players, to get on the get on the plane after a game, yeah, uh, yeah, nice. to to actually engage in the job, but he did not. So Trevor Lawrence is an interesting guy, but he's not like a priority ad or anything this week. Romeo Dobbs of the Green Bay Packers is looking like a priority ad. And mm-hmm. the Packers you know, have been talking about the need for someone to step up and you know, not so subtly hinting. They really, really, really want it to be Romeo Dobbs. That happened on Sunday. Eight catches, I believe 72 or 73 yards. I believe it was you, Denny, in our blurb who said he was a few shoestring tackles away from going well beyond yeah. 100 yards. And does this look maybe sustainable for Romeo Dobbs? Christian Watson didn't play week three. What What is it? Should we, how much should we rushing out to spend on the waiver wire? What is kind of the short and long-term outlook for Romeo Dobbs? I think he, I mean, he showed that he is the best receiver that Aaron Rodgers has. Um, he, he drew eight targets on 34 routes, which is a, which is a nice, um, you know, a, a solid percentage there. He was a mainstay in two receiver sets for the Packers. Uh, I think importantly, the Packers design plays to get the ball to Dobbs early in the game, including his short touchdown in the first quarter. Um, they they definitely stopped doing that at some point. I don't know if the Bucs made a defensive adjustment, but there was a concerted effort. And Aaron Rodgers said after the game, we had plays, uh, you know, we had we did we practiced plays in practice that, that were designed for Dobbs. We wanted to get him involved early. He had 34 yards on three catches and a touchdown in the first drive of the game against Tampa. So I, I think it, it, it's all looking up for him as 
a potential wide receiver one. I don't think anybody's going to run away with a 25% target share here uh, in this offense, but he could, he could easily be a high end wide receiver three, low end two going forward. If he's able to continue with these, with his full complement of snaps and routes. Top 36 does seem like a realistic season long outcome for Romeo Dobbs. Probably not like in the top 30, probably won't really push for wide receiver two. Cause I mean, it is going to remain a deep group. It is going to remain kind of a sprawling group. And like you said, they might've already adjusted on him yesterday. He's going to have to learn to adjust to the adjustments, but especially this week where it's not a loaded group at receiver. If you just need no. like immediate help at receiver right now, I mean, what Denny, it's a group highlighted, at least in terms of player under players who are under 50% rostered. It's like Russell Gage, Michael Gallup, Traylon Burks, Devontae Parker, Isaiah McKenzie, not, it's not a difference-making group this week at receiver. And I, I, Romeo Dobbs, I think you would call him the most compelling receiver ad of, of week four, correct? Yeah, I, I think so. I think people will look at Mac, Mac Hollins, and I get that because he had a big game. I mean, Mac Hollins had a 60-yard catch and a 48-yard catch. So it's hard to, it's hard to uh, say, oh, take Dobbs over the guy making long catches. I get that. But I, I don't think Hollins role is as stable uh, and has as much potential going forward as Hollins does in that Vegas offense. Well, yeah, let's just talk about Matt Hollins. Where I said we, I kind of wanted to talk about the quote-unquote gross ads today. Like, no one really wants to add Zay Jones, the X-Raider. No one really wants to add Matt Hollins, the current Raider. But you know, we don't decide who has value. Like, it just it happens. It happens, like, yeah. like Someone catches the coach's fancy. Matt Hollins is clearly logged on in Josh McDaniel's offense. And maybe some of this is fluky, you know, a 60-yard catch. Yesterday, that's not going to happen every week. But I believe he's 14th in yards through three weeks. Right. And this, is there anything real here with Mac? I mean, of course, there's something real. He's got 250 yards almost. But how real is Mac Hollins looking? And do we need to take our medicine and add him off the waiver wire? <laughs> I, he should be added, I think, in like 12-team leagues where you have multiple flex spots. I, I, I would get that. You know, Hunter Renfro was out this week. That opened up. Uh, a, a good, you know, you know, eighteen percent target share, sixteen percent target share that needed to go somewhere, and it all went to Hollins apparently, who is the, the leading receiver for the Raiders after three weeks. Ooh, I kept in my dynasty league for about seven years. You should have kept. You should have held on for that eighth year. It's proving like there's no such thing as a sunk cost. You never ever until a player formally announces their retirement. You keep them in dynasty. Yeah. No cost has ever been sunk. I think no, is, that, no. is what you're saying. No, no. Uh, you, you know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that he's worth pursuing aggressively on the waiver wire. Um, and I, but it'll be hard for for fantasy managers to look at that stat line from yesterday, 150 plus yards and a touchdown, and say no, I, I don't want that guy. Like, and and I I do I do understand that, but I would be uh, you know careful on that. Listen, including yesterday, including against the Titans, Mac Hollins has been targeted on just 14 percent of his pass routes. This season, that's very low. And these two games have come as Devontae Adams has been contained. And maybe Josh McDaniels is a fake sharp, but we know that I mean, there's going to be an adjustment. There's going to be a come hell or high water. We are getting Devontae Adams the ball adjustment. And Matt Collins is going to be one of the big losers from that. And this also happened. Hunter Renfro did not play in week three with a concussion. And if anything, it's proving Matt Collins can be – it's a different coaching staff in Vegas, but – Maybe he can be you know, a good downfield role player like Zay Jones was last mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. Um, or Nelson Aguilar was a few years ago. So maybe he's going to – he won't fall off the face of the earth, 
but it's also hard to see like legitimate fantasy value uh, developing Mac. This, as I say about the guy who this is dominating the past. Yeah, year. Know. <laughs> you know, week nine. Yeah, I mean, I know it was his eighth straight hundred yard game. I know it's two hundred twenty nine yards, the most by any receiver in the NFL this year. But I, right. I'm still not adding him. I know the Raiders just signed him to a six-year extension worth $190 million. <laughs> but listen, you got to be careful here. I mean, I know he looks like literally the complete package. <laughs> not adding him, not adding Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Um, uh, someone who fantasy managers like to think is the complete package, Denny, is Cleel Herbert in the yeah. Bears' backfield, who has succeeded basically any time he's been given any amount of run well, he did this last year. David Montgomery came back from injury and just immediately reassumed in every down roll. But David Montgomery's hurt again this year. It is a new coaching staff. It seems to be a totally different approach. It seems to be one of the more run-heavy approaches we've seen in the past 10 years. It seems to be something of a road-paving offensive line. Um, but David Montgomery has not been ruled out for week four. So yeah. we don't know if we add Khalil Herbert, if we'll even be able to immediately get him in there as an RB2. But – I just take us through the two different outlooks. Uh, what are we using spending on on Fab on Khalil Herbert? Like, what is the upside if David Montgomery doesn't play? But then, if David Montgomery does play, can we still use Khalil Herbert in Week Four? Yeah. Well, for for those who who uh, are blissfully unaware, uh, Khalil Herbert went for 157 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and caught two balls yesterday against the Texans. And uh, really, really quite the quite the day for Herbert. And here's the thing: like you mentioned, Pat. Uh, he's good and he might be really good. Um, this year he, he is leading all NFL running backs in yards after contact per rush. Only Nick Chubb has more runs of more than 10 yards than Khalil Herbert and wow. Herbert and, and Herbert has 30 fewer carries than Chubb. So, you know, he was, uh, Herbert was extraordinarily productive as a college back at Virginia tech has come into the NFL has continued that, Every time he's been given a chance, he he very likely is the best running back skill-wise and production-wise in the Chicago backfield. That doesn't matter so much because the Bears love David Montgomery so much, more than you, really, somehow. <laughs> and uh, um, but we 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 do we we do have to be careful with you know blowing our entire free agent budget on Herbert because it doesn't seem like the Montgomery injury is catastrophic. And thank thankfully, you know, we obviously we don't want that. But it looks like Montgomery has a chance to play this week. If he sits for one week, then he'll come back to that starting role in the following week. I don't think that there's any scenario where Herbert just just takes over this uh, backfield naturally. 
If we get word on Tuesday that Herbert or excuse me, that Montgomery will miss at least one game, it is worth like upping the bid then because you might think it's only one game, but I mean, even stealing one week would be huge. Like if Khalil Herbert comes in and helps you like steal a victory, that's worth a pretty big fab investment, even if it's only one week. But yeah. well, I don't think we're going to know Montgomery's status on Tuesday. Um, we know he's not going on injured reserve. He's not going to miss four games. He could miss zero games. And yeah, and we also know that even though this is a new coaching staff, they still seem very committed to who David Montgomery, who has been quite good also. He yeah, hasn't he been has. as good as Khalil Herbert. But he has been good. This has been a road paving Bears line, actually. They kind of made the Packers look silly. It is yeah. good. And and no one has a lower pass rate over expected than the nope. Bears by a mile. By a yeah. mile. So well, we know uh, the Bears offensive approach. Uh, do we know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive approach? Because I feel like we don't. And it's understandable. Every receiver is hurt. The offensive line is banged up. It's hard for them to pivot to the run because Leonard Fournette is banged up and he's also Leonard Fournette. Uh, just what is the state of this Bucks offense? We know that they're getting Mike Evans back for week four, I believe against the Chiefs. Uh, so we, they at least have that coming. Chris Godwin, though, didn't get any practice reps last week. He seems probably on the wrong side of questionable. What is the state? I, I don't even know what the question is. Just yeah. talk, talk to me about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, Denny. When uh, I say Bucks offense, what comes to mind? Uh, check down. Check down <laughs> comes to mind. And, and and that's what happened. Look, I, I covered the Bucks packers game. You forced me to watch a football game, so I did. And uh, and that's all Brady did. Uh, it was check down to Fournette. It was to Russell Gage. It was to Cole Beasley, who saw four targets in limited action. Uh, so there, really nothing else going on. He doesn't even look, Brady doesn't even look to the outside. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and as someone who rostered Scotty Miller and some DFS contests, Ooh, I'm triggered man. by that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so but, that yeah, is on you, by the way. Yeah, every, I'll, I will go down with, with Scotty Miller. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, look, it, every, everything is short. Um, uh, next gen stats has this, uh, great, uh, metric for, for measuring aggressiveness, a quarterback's aggressiveness, as you may expect, uh, Tom Brady is near the bottom of uh, that metric. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably continue to be that way behind an offensive line that's been marred by injury. Okay. This is, this is not the same offensive line that allowed Brady to stand back there and just pepper his great pass catchers, you know, when he had Gronk, he had Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown. He was able to do that behind this great line. He doesn't have those pass catchers, and he doesn't have the line anymore. So I don't think Tom Brady can be started in 12-team leagues going forward. Well, he, not at least not for week four, although he is getting the great outside threat, Mike Evans back. Yeah. And I'll say the positive signs of Brady – so, you know, when Peyton Manning, his final season, when he went off the rails, the physical physical decline was evident to oh. anyone with a pair of eyes. You turn on the game, you're like, wow, like this guy's done. <laughs> That's not the case with Tom Brady. Tom Brady still appears physically fine. He does. This isn't like an arm strength issue. It's not like even a mobility issue for Tom Brady. It's just the surrounding talent issue. And at least a receiver, it will be coming in some form, at least um, are they on their third string left tackle? Maybe we can at least get them up to their second string left right. tackle. Um, right. And I do feel like this is the low point. And I, I'm not definitely not ready to say, like, drop Tom Brady, actually, or that he won't be a top 12 quarterback. It's a little hard. In his current form, he's not. But I, I do see there's room for improvement. I, I do see room from hope for hope just in that it's not physical with Tom Brady. Um, yeah, 
But I understand also your point of view. No, you're right. I, I just, I don't think that we're going to get, even if Evans come, when Evans comes back, when Godwin gets back, I don't think we're going to get the 2020 and 2021 Tom Brady because of the line issue. Um, you're looking at his, his yards per attempt. Um, he averaged almost eight yards per attempt in week one, which is nice. Five and a half in week two. Six and a half in week three. I think we're going to see more of that five and a half and six and a half number going forward. And yeah, it's very 2020, 2021. Tom Brady is not coming back. That That is true. This with the offensive line. I mean, even when this line was healthy, it was still breaking in three new starters along the interior. Yes. And now it's not healthy. So that is a very, very fair point. Denny, someone that no one wants to talk about, like we're talking no one, is Jamal Williams. But especially because I believe he's over 50% rostered. Yeah. But DeAndre Swift is injured again. He has both an upper body injury and a lower body injury. Maybe like choose one region of the body at least to have hurt DeAndre Swift. And is so I, I, the way I phrase this question to you when we were discussing the show, if DeAndre Swift misses week four, does Jamal Williams clear the Jeff Wilson line? Mm-hmm. And to say if DeAndre Swift plays week four, like, what is even our level of trust in DeAndre Swift anymore? So on and so forth. I'm very sad. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it stinks, this whole Swift thing. Because, you know, week one, just like with Jefferson, week one, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I got I got the RB1 overall, DeAndre yeah. Swift. Not not so much. I, I will say that, you know, Jamal Williams is not going to see, like, an uninterrupted three-down role here because Craig Craig Reynolds is still a thing. He's still in there. He ran some routes against the, the uh, Vikings this week and, and will continue to do so. The thing is, though, coming into week three, Jamal Williams had a healthy lead in high-value touches, meaning receptions and then touches inside the 10-yard line. Uh, we all know, and Swift Swift managers know, Swift drafters know, that Jamal Williams is the, the hammer goal line back, and they prefer it that way and they want it that way. Um, it, uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he should be treated as, I think a very high end RB two. I'm trying to be conservative here, uh, but the, and and the, look at this. This Lions offense is very fr- fantasy friendly because a it's fast paced, and b they have they have a soft schedule and they have another cake matchup this week against Seattle. Yeah, to to every what's I was going to make a horrible pun to every Jamal Williams ca- ca- hammer the goal line plane is a nail something like that. Uh, it is that that makes sense. Guy, guy likes touchdowns <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. He does. He scores touchdowns. He's a touchdown scorer. You can't take that away from him. It is Craig Reynolds, though, not going away. Like you said, Jamal Williams, too, is also, I thought, very physically diminished last year. He's looking a little rejuvenated this year. But I don't know if he clears the Jeff Wilson line for me. I think Jeff Wilson's probably a better pure runner yeah. and a better designed rushing attack. But it it is going to be really close. And I haven't done my initial week four rankings yet. And I guess I wouldn't be shocked if circumstance dictates that I have to have Jamal Williams over Jeff Wilson. You would talk about an offense uh, not running hot right now. Yeah. San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, um, down so we're not, extremely bad. Down extremely bad. Uh, the Vikings will be down bad if Dalvin Cook does not play in London in week four against the New Orleans Saints. They're claiming he's going to play with a harness on his shoulder. This is not something he does every year. He injures his shoulder. He comes back with a harness. He did so last year, and his first game with the harness, he had a 205-yard game against the Steelers. That was after he missed one game, though. They're optimistic he's not going to miss this game. Against the Steelers' run defense that had gone 20 games without allowing 
An individual 100-yard rusher has now allowed two in the first three weeks yeah. uh, to Cordero Patterson and then Christian McCaffrey. But what's the outlook in the, the Vikings' backfield right now? And, I mean, if, if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, then, I mean, how, how crazy are we getting with Alexander Madison? Uh, pretty crazy, I think. Uh, I mean, and and obviously it would be a one-week thing probably, but I I – don't know what you know what you have to do to get people to pick up Alexander Alexander Madison. We could have and, one good spot start ever. That would help. Right. Well, it, it's been in it's been in, in suspect circumstances. Okay. He's been game scripted out of, of out of a lot because he's not because he's not necessarily the locked in pass catching guy. Now he had a good pass catching role against Detroit after uh, after Cook went out. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, in the past, he has had that taken away from him. So, um, by the way, by, by almost every metric, Alexander Madison is a more efficient rusher than oh, So, uh, I, I, all I'm saying is that the Vikings may want to know. Vikings, if you're listening, you didn't need, you know, you, you, you're, you're good. You're good with uh, Alexander Madison. You swear to God he's not going to chase Edmonds us. If Dalvin Cook, you know, the classic, well, it finally is getting all the touches and it's 28 touches for 80 yards and zero touchdowns. Do you swear that's not going to happen? <laughs> look, 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 look. I don't know what you're talking about. Chase Edmonds has done well every time he's oh gotten gosh. A, a, a decent workload. It's true. I, I cited that stat in August. Every time he's got seen like over 13 touches, he's done quite well. So I, I, I can't swear. Uh, because I, I, you know, it's against my religion, but I, but I do, I do think, I do think Madison would be a locked in, uh, top 15 option if, if Dalvin Cook is out. And so don't, don't go nuts, but you, you should try to roster him just in case on, on Saturday or Sunday, they say, you know what, we're going to rest Dalvin for one, one game. And yeah, I, the, I was kind of kidding on Madison, who he had a reputation for first year or two in the league. He had a few like real plug and play explosive spots. He kind of face planted. Then last year, he had a really good start against the Seahawks. Had a really good start against the Lions. And yeah, we talk about plug and play RB twos usually when like a, someone like Dalvin Cook misses a game. Madison really does look like maybe a plug and play RB one. Yeah. If and we'll get an early sign on Dalvin Cook, I mean, his team's gonna be flying to London. So if, if he takes the transcontinental flight, he's probably playing. If he doesn't, of course, he's not playing. But if they fly him to London, it's not going to be to be part of the seven-man inactives. Yeah, Madison is available in 45% of leagues, and I believe in my heart of hearts that the Queen would have wanted you to pick up the Madison. <laughs> it, was, it was the last thing she wanted, actually. Yeah. And she threw a corgi at her assistant who did not have <laughs> Alexander Madison, and it was really, it was really quite a shameful episode, actually, for such a, a lovely, stately woman. So, it, it, uh, it was, and, and the media won't talk about it for some reason. They won't talk about it, but fancy football brings out the worst yeah. in a lot. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic, because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The worst in a lot of us, Denny, is unwavering belief in Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> and just then, no matter what, it's going to be Ramondre week. It's finally happening. It's going to yep. be Ramondre Stevenson. Is it going to finally be Ramondre Stevenson? This week, now that Mac Jones' ankle injury seems likely to keep yeah. him out for several games, and the Patriots are have no choice but to lean on this running game. All right, look, look. It it, it might actually be Ramadre season finally. This this time it counts. Uh Stevenson against the Ravens this week or in week three led the led the Patriots backfield with 12 carries, 73 rushing yards, four receptions, and 28 receiving yards. All of that <laughs> led Damian Harris. Okay. Uh they were rotating drives early in the game against against Baltimore, but Stevenson sort of just took over later in the game um, because because he he's the main uh, running back in uh, two minute the two minute offense. Um, and when the Patriots get down and they have to step on the gas, like they're not put they did not at least in week three they did not put Damian Harrison in those situations. They kept Stevenson in. So that rotation, that drive rotation that they've had for much of the season vanished. I think that's an, that's an important uh, situation here. Very, very important. And this time it's going to count. One of these times it's going to count with Ramondre Stevenson. And when it does, let's just say leagues will be won. Leagues yeah. will be won. I, well, you know, without Mac Jones, though, I do I do think that actually it's it, – that's a that's a bummer. If if Stevenson gets to take over with Brian Hoyer under center yeah. now, um, man, that that's tough. I, I guess you know the one thing is Hoyer does have a history of checking down to running backs. If Stevenson might just be able to get by on pure target volume, but projecting target volume for a running back who has well, I was going to say who's never done it, but he actually does command targets. So as I'm talking about it, I'm convincing myself that oh, it man. still can be Ramadre Sisson. Brian Hoyer has been washed since like at oh. least four presidential administrations. Ago. I literally, I actually had to do a depth chart check to make sure that I hadn't hallucinated uh, the <laughs> other day and or on Sunday because I was like, "There's, there's no way that I heard that Brian Hoyer is still the backup in New England. It has to be that Zappy kid." No, it's no. Bailey Zappy. No, yep, it's Brian Hoyer. It's um, Brian Hoyer's been the backup for twenty years. Yeah, it's nuts. Maybe by the end of the week, he'll be Cam Newton. No, that that would give the folks something to talk oh, about. God, please. Uh, speaking of things to talk about, we're running out of time. There's two more topics. There's one I wanted to touch on, and one you wanted to touch on. You wanted to touch on this. This is all you said. Uh, the conk daddy. Um, <laughs> so, what do you tell people? Tell the yeah. folks who the conk daddy is, and what thoughts we are sharing on him. I mean, it sounds it sounds dirty. It's not dirty. It's uh, Tyler Conklin, the the. Uh, right end. End of the guy. That's just what he's called. <laughs> Wait, I mean, are you making? You, you, yeah, you're gonna discriminate. It's what he's called. That's what you're right. You're making fun of his name. I yeah. don't, honestly, I I don't do that personally. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, look, he's available in eighty percent of leagues. And here's the thing, Pat Conklin. After three weeks, leads all tight ends in the <laughs> NFL in pass routes. He's fifth in target. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's, he's seventh in tight end yardage. Okay, 
Look, it's all volume-based. This is a Jets offense that runs 1 million plays per game and passes on 99% of them. So I so I get why this is happening. Tyler Conklin is still, as he has always been, extremely inefficient, okay? Has one of the most atrocious yards per route run you could ever imagine. <laughs> I'll, I'll detail it in my column. Not good. It doesn't matter. He's out there running a lot of routes. Now, the thing is, Zach yeah. Wilson is coming back. They typically slow down the offense. They typically lean a little heavier on the run that could strip Conklin of everything that we've kind of banked on. So I don't, I don't want to say, Oh, you got to get him." But you know, if Flacco stays under center for one more week, you could have a nice streamer. Yeah. Flacco's attempts have been 59, 44 and 52. I mean, I would set the over under for Zach Wilson attempts probably at 34 and a half. And- Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they really want that guy getting to 40. It's at least not in his first game back. No way. It would also be weird to just totally run a completely different system, though, um, to suddenly be a slow it down run first team. That's probably not going to happen. So hopefully some of the volume remains. But there's going to be a lot of theories tested when Zach Wilson seemingly this week comes back. and Because there have been a lot of uh, kind of unsustainable parties going on here. Yes. Um, in this Jets offense. But. Yeah, right. It, it, it really does, uh, you know, if they do slow down the pace and, and lean more toward the run, it affects Conklin. The the running backs who have seen tons of target volume, it affects uh, Garrett Wilson. Every Everybody gets a uh, gets a knock. So please just maybe consider doing this with Zach Wilson too, even though we know he's not even close to ready uh, to pass 40 to 45 times a game. Yeah, yeah. The last player I want to talk about is I – I challenged you to come up with a positive DJ Moore stat yeah. because I need something. I, I got us. I, I got, I need something. If I'm going to keep starting him, Denny, I, I, eight catches in three games. I mean, I need I, something. I had my interns look very strongly into it and they found nothing. His yards per route run is way down. It, it, even down from like, like past ugly stretches of his, of his career with, with no, with no quarterback, his, Targets per route run rate was 25% last year. Very strong. We like 25%. We don't like 15%, which is where it's at now. Here's the frustrating thing is that Ben McAdoo, the Panthers offense coordinator, is actually trying to put Baker Mayfield and this Carolina offense in a good position. They have one of the highest first round for I'm sorry, first down pass rates in the league. He's trying. He can't because Baker Mayfield is just awful on every level. He's he's bad. They have they have no other option right now, no, no. and and so I just I don't see I don't see it turning around for Baker Mayfield. I I I'm sorry for uh, for DJ Moore. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing else to add. Like it's not like he's being limited with with routes, uh, you know, with snaps. Like he's out there. They're just not throwing the ball to him. And when they do. It's uncatchable. He's he's among the league leaders in uncatchable balls. Of course. Yeah, and I do. I truly think this is on Baker Mayfield, by the way, not Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo was, was yeah. a very low worthy hire when they made it, but he was actually a decent play caller with the New York Giants. He was just dealing with end stage Eli Manning, and it seems to be a totally fine, inoffensive NFL play caller. But Baker Mayfield is still playing like he only has one shoulder. Uh, like he did, like we thought maybe the horrible 2021 struggles were because he was playing with a torn left labrum, and it just doesn't look like that so far. And yeah, and by the way, they're moving DJ Moore around the lineup. He he's lining up in the slot 25 percent of the time. 
you know, they're not just like putting him out on an island. They're, I think they're they're trying. It's just they it's just not working. His de- listen, his yards per route run is under one. Uh, yeah, man, man, oh man. Um, I lied when I said it was the last question. Who who's the kicker stream of the week? <laughs> Thank who's you for the, asking. Who's the kicker stream of the week? Uh, I'm glad you asked, uh, and we're looking for it right now. Oh, it's Austin Siebert, who is a guy who kicks for the Lions. All right, he should be roster. He should be over fifty percent roster. He shouldn't be streamable. Oh he my, rostered over fifty percent. He needs to be rostered. So, People would need to learn his name first before they roster him. <laughs> uh, they're playing Seattle. You're starting your Lions. Just roll out your Lions. The, the Seahawks can't stop anybody on the ground. They can't stop anybody through the air. The process, the process, the process. We want Siebert this week. Trust the process. I trusted the process that uh, I would come home from picking up my daughter from school and my internet would work, and then it didn't. Um, so look where well, look where the analytics got me. Uh, look, we're we're hoping that the internet reaches Missouri eventually. No, come on, man. <laughs> Good God. Well, Good God. As a low, as low. as an elite, as an elite East Coaster, yeah. I, I, I apologize. As you should, um, and we apologize that this show is over. It was a good show. But we'll be back later this week. Please check out Denny's column on the site, Waiver Wired. Check out my column, The Sunday Aftermath, a breakdown of all of week three's biggest storylines. Rankings coming later in the week. Preview show coming later in the week. Tuesday, I'll be talking with Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak, looking at some rankings conundrums. So for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Doherty. We will catch you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.